Hello and welcome back to Backyard Geology, Canada edition. I'm Serena and over the course of this season I have brought you to eight locations across Canada to look at our geologic wonders. In this episode I'm going to be reviewing all the events and structures visited throughout this season of Backyard Geology and organizing them on the geologic timescale. My love for geology is rooted in the huge scale of it all. I am constantly finding myself feeling overwhelmed yet fascinated with the geologic timescale. Learning about the world and the rocks around me brings me much excitement, working through 4.6 billion years of dynamic, chemical, biological, and physical history. I like being able to look around me and explain what I am seeing and how it came to be. But before we can start placing our Canadian geologic gems on the timescale, you need to familiarize yourself with what is, in my opinion, the greatest timeline you will ever get to know. Deep time, what's it really all about? Is it even something we can know about? How deep can you dig into history? The deeper you go, the deeper the mystery. You can give it a name like Precambrian time, but that's four billion years on a very long timeline. Magma to granite, sandstone to quartzite, limestone to marble, and shale into slate. The chronostratigraphic chart, as it is formally known, is the complex timeline of Earth's geologic history. Chrono relates to time, and stratigraphy relates to the branch of geology concerned with the order and relative position of layers of rock, known as strata. Chronostratigraphy applies ages to the rock successions with the ultimate goal of forming a universal standard geological timescale based on the strata around the globe that record Earth's history. This timescale has been under development for over 200 years and has been and still is being gradually refined as geologists learn more about ancient Earth. When we talk about the geologic timescale, sedimentary rocks form the basis of our interpretations. Because they are made of pre-existing materials, are almost always deposited in water, and host fossils, their layering is able to tell us a lot about the relative ages of rocks. The concept of stratigraphy was first recorded in the literature starting in the 16th century by none other than Leonardo da Vinci. Seriously, what didn't he study? He understood sedimentary rocks and fossils, writing, among one and another rock layer, there are traces of the worms that crawled in them when they were not yet dry. Dry referring to lithification or the process of loose sediments being turned into rock by combinations of time, heat, pressure, and drying. In the 17th century, Nicholas Steno, a Danish geologist, proposed four geologic principles, now known as the laws of stratigraphy, that describe sedimentary rocks and how their positions can help us determine relative ages. The first is the law of superposition, which states that younger layers of rock sit on top of older layers of rock, meaning that they are deposited on top of one another. 
The second is the law of original horizontality, which states that layers of sedimentary rock were originally deposited horizontally, often in water, with the help of gravity. Rock layers that appear tilted or folded were altered after deposition. The third is the law of cross-cutting relationships, which states that intrusions, often of igneous origin, that disturb layers of rock are younger than the surrounding rock, having cross-cut them. The fourth and final is the law of lateral continuity, which states that layers of rock are continuous until they encounter other solid bodies or are altered after deposition, for example, by erosion. These principles are pretty simple and easy to grasp, explaining essentially how things layer. When applied to sedimentary rocks, they can provide a huge amount of information on the depositional sequence of events and relative ages of rocks. Pair this with geochemical dating methods and expertise from geologists, and you can start to build yourself a chronostratigraphic chart. The geologic timescale is divided up into numerous sections, including eons, the longest period of time, which are divided into eras, which are still long but with more tangible characteristics, which are divided into periods, then epochs, typically marked by distinct events or particular characteristics, and finally stages, denoting steps in a process or development. The subdivisions are marked by numerical ages some more accurate than others based on available rock samples and dating technologies. The ages range from present day all the way back to the Hadean Eon, the oldest subdivision in geological time and the first eon after Earth's formation, occurring between 4 and 4.6 billion years ago. Important spots to note on the chronostratigraphic chart are the eons, the Hadean Eon was thought to be inhospitable, though recent data suggests that it was wet and cool. The only things remaining on today's Earth from the Hadean Eon are grains of the mineral zircon. The Acasta Gneiss in the Northwest Territories in Canada is the oldest known crustal fragment on Earth, and was metamorphosed at the end of the Hadean Eon and the start of the Archaean Eon, dating back to 3.58 to 4.03 billion years ago and contains Hadean zircon grains. The Archaean Eon, continuing through to about 2.5 billion years ago, was when we started to see the formation of continents and the earliest forms of microbial life. If you are into biology, then you may have heard of Archaea, a domain on the tree of life comprised of single-celled microorganisms similar in structure, though evolutionarily distinct from bacteria. They are anaerobes, meaning that they live in environments with little to no oxygen, including early, potentially hostile Earth. The word archaea comes from the Greek word archaeos, meaning primitive. Following the Archaean Eon is the Proterozoic Eon, extending from 2.5 billion years ago to 541 million years ago. During this time, the atmosphere became oxygenated, setting the stage for the proliferation of life and continents were established made of primitive crustal material. Doing the math, the Hadean, Archaean, and Proterozoic make up just over 4 billion years, that's 4,000 million years, or 88% of Earth's history. 
Yet, often we don't hear a lot about those 4 billion years. This is due to a few reasons. One, that period of time is fairly elusive. As geologists, we only have what is currently present on Earth to study all the years that came before. What remains from this time has been heavily deformed, eroded, and or metamorphosed, and is overall just really challenging to study. Second, the majority of popular and interesting things happened after this time. For example, the formation of oil and gas reservoirs that are heavily researched to this day. Another example, the dinosaurs. With more geologists studying the Phanerozoic, that is, the eon after the Proterozoic, which extends from 541 million years ago to today, and much more evidence available to study, our current eon has been subdivided and studied in much greater depth. Despite only making up 12% of Earth's history, or just under three hours if you think of Earth's history as a 24-hour day, the conditions and processes of the Phanerozoic are much more relevant to today's geologic needs. On most chronostratigraphic charts, the Hadean, Archaean, and Proterozoic are squished into one corner, while the Phanerozoic is blown up to be able to show all its details, including the eras, periods, epochs, and stages. It includes the Cambrian period, where the proliferation of life took place during the so-called Cambrian explosion. It includes the Mesozoic era, which includes the Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous periods 250 to 66 million years ago, when the dinosaurs roamed the Earth. And, of course, it includes the Cenozoic, the most recent era and the one in which we currently live, over the past 66 million years. The latter half of the Cenozoic includes a number of freeze-thaw cycles corresponding to ice ages. This occurred after the mass extinction event that wiped out 80% of species on Earth, including the dinosaurs. While you may be familiar with the extinction event itself, you may not know that it is formally called the KT extinction, which stands for Cretaceous-Tertiary extinction, occurring between the two periods. The tertiary period no longer formally exists in chronostratigraphy and is now the Paleogene and the Neogene periods. These ice ages formed the Antarctic ice sheet and the basis for the movie Ice Age, which, if you haven't watched, you should. The woolly mammoth, saber-toothed cat, and giant sloth, aka Manny, Diego, and Sid, all lived during the early Pleistocene epoch about 2.5 million years ago to 12,000 years ago, alongside human ancestors as of about 300,000 years ago. The freezing and thawing of ice along with the movement of glaciers over the land caused significant erosion and shaped landforms. Without this erosion, our crust would be thicker, mountains would be taller, and there would likely be less rivers carved out by meltwaters. Currently, we are, though unofficially, in the Anthropocene. This is a proposed epoch which started when humans began to have a significant impact on Earth's environment. It is not on the standard chronostratigraphic chart, but if you think about it, epochs are marked by notable events or characteristics, marking the start or end of a distinct period in time. The onset of human-induced climate change is just that. But that's a discussion for another day. So I've now given you a rundown of chronostratigraphy. 
Now it is time to look at the sites visited throughout this season of Backyard Geology Canada edition to see where relevant events and structures fit on this colossal 4.6 billion year old timeline. I'd like to take a quick moment to suggest to geology students that you get yourself a copy of the chronostratigraphic chart for your binder or desk. As you read, times are often referred to by their eon, era, period, epoch, and or stage name, which can become hard to follow. Get yourself a chart. It's very useful. I cannot simply place each town or city on the timeline from start to end. In reality, different parts of the areas visited throughout this podcast season were formed at different points in geologic time. Let's start at the bottom and work our way up. During the Hadean, some of the crustal rock of the Lac de Grasse Kimberlite field, those mined at Diavik, were being formed. This includes the Acasta Nice, the oldest known rock on Earth, having been formed just about 4 billion years ago. Moving to the Archaean Eon and to the early to mid Proterozoic, more crust was formed, forming more of the rocks present in Diavik, Regina, Sudbury, and Kelowna. Today, these rocks make up parts of our stable cratons, which together make up the North American continent. The early Proterozoic, known as the Paleoproterozoic, brought with it the assembly of the Churchill and Superior Provinces in Regina, across the prairies and under Hudson's Bay, with the Trans-Hudson Orogeny. In addition to the massive meteorite impact in Sudbury that created the impact structure 1.85 billion years ago acting as a natural smelter to which Ontario owes its claim to fame in the mining industry. The suturing of these geological provinces formed the heart of Laurentia, which now makes up the bulk of North America. At the very end of the Proterozoic, during the Ediacaran period, the rocks at Mistaken Point were deposited in a deep marine environment, and the organisms preserved within these rocks occupied the sea floor about 565 million years ago. And just like that, we have 88% of Earth's history. A good portion of the rocks visited in this podcast would have been formed by this point, and primitive large life forms have colonized the sea floor. Into the Phanerozoic. The Ordovician and Silurian periods 460 to 420 million years ago brought with it the shallow inland sea on the eastern margin of Laurentia. Depositing the sediments now exposed throughout Hamilton in the Niagara Escarpment. Moving up to 130 million years ago, to the Cretaceous period, past the bulk of the dinosaurs, the coast mountains west of Kelowna were uplifted, followed by the Rockies to the east about 80 to 55 million years ago. Meanwhile, the sediments in Drumheller were being deposited to the east of the Rockies in the western interior seaway while late Cretaceous fauna, including dinosaurs, roamed the coastlines. The end of the Cretaceous brought with it a mass extinction event, the KT extinction, leaving the coastline critters to rest in the sandy and muddy sediments of the Horseshoe Canyon formation around Drumheller. After the extinction, up north in Diavik, episodic magmatism during the early Paleogene period formed the kimberlite pipes of the Lac de Grasse kimberlite field about 55 to 50 million years ago. Thanks to this magmatism, Diavik has become one of the most productive diamond mines in the world. Jumping ahead to the Miocene epoch about 8 million years ago, 
a lava flow formed the Miles Canyon basalts in Whitehorse. This brings us to the freeze-thaw cycles that shaped the land into how we see it today. The bulk of glacial erosion occurred during the Pleistocene epoch when the Laurentide ice sheet covered almost all of Canada. Debris on the underside of glaciers scoured the surface, and meltwater carved out the Miles Canyon in Whitehorse, caused erosion of the Niagara Escarpment in Hamilton, shallowed the Sudbury Impact Crater, lowered the Cordillera Mountains, and carved out the characteristic Badland topography in Drumheller. And, of course, while all this was happening, the mountains formed during the Trans-Hudson Orogeny were eroded down to almost nothing over about two billion years since being formed. Feeling overwhelmed? I just blew through some highlights of 4.6 billion years of Canadian Earth history. It's that feeling of being overwhelmed by the scale of it all, yet being able to understand it with time and research that makes me love geology. The clues we have on today's Earth, preserved in the rocks, tell the story of Earth and how it came to be as we know it. And I think that is pretty amazing. Take it all in, grab yourself a chronostratigraphic chart, and take it all in again. Geologists are Earth historians, reading history from the rocks instead of textbooks. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends. A special thanks goes out to the Amoeba people for their song, Back to the Beginning, featured in this episode. Backyard Geology Canada edition is part of the Geology Podcast Network and is sponsored by Traveling Geologists.